0: After I landed those, I was like, "Oh, this is like the best session ever of my life," <laughs> and then and then I came in, and like the car was smashed, and the our windows were like just like completely gone, and then my phone was stolen. So that was like I was it was like the highest of highs, like best session ever to coming in and like our car just smashed.
1: Welcome back to Stab Podcast. This is Michael Saramella, and we are back with another episode of The Drop. First things first, Buck and I are going to sit down to discuss everything that happened in surfing this week, from El Salvador's $170 million investment to who is going to be in and out of that next event in Punta Roca. Spoiler alert, John Florence is not the only top five surfer who will be withdrawing. And then we're going to get into Team Italy's surprise pick for their new surf team assistant coach. This was completely unexpected, but um, definitely a welcome topic of conversation because it's fascinating. Later in the episode, Buck is going to sit down with Crosby Colapinto, co-star of the new film by Stab and Monster, DNA, the Colapinto brothers, and they're going to talk about everything, really. They talk about their shared interest in quote-unquote old surf films, what it's like growing up with a brother who you look up to and try to emulate, and all these other things that push back to the film that is playing now on Stab Premium. So if you haven't seen that yet, I would turn this off immediately. Go watch that because... As far as I'm concerned it's the best surf film that has been made this year. It is incredible from the surfing to the storyline to the characters in it. You know, we've got the Fletcher brothers, we've got the Coffin brothers, the Moniz brothers, the Godowskis brothers, Mick Fanning speaking on brothers. All these great brother pairings that you just never get to hear kind of in one place and talking about one topic. So, yeah, it's just it's an incredible incredible film and like I said, he'll be talking with Crosby at the end of this episode. But before that, we also have a surf sin that I must say, it, has, it sparked a lot of interest in me personally. I think everybody's going to be able to relate to this one, but it's going to involve Dane Reynolds, self-flagellation, and lots of other good things. So yeah, this is a pretty wild and rambunctious episode of The Drop, so we hope you enjoy, and without further ado, let's hop in with Buck.
2: Miguel with the wire headphones how we doing
1: oh man i've gone backwards in life i forgot to charge that stupid little pod for my airpods and now i am a peasant yeah
2: you look very poor
1: yeah it's um yeah it's just the way it's got to be we get the podcast has got to get done so we're going analog
2: but hey el salvador event coming yeah you were just placing your round one bets you told me i was
1: yeah i went pretty well it's all relative. For me, I went pretty hard.
2: Well, and I know you and Stace did the preview in the last episode of The Cusp, but you've got your preview coming on Stab Premium, and I saw the title, and I think you're a terrible person. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm a bit of
1: a, a stance. Um...
2: A- ambassador of the sock company. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm an ambassador of the sock company stance. <laughs> stance ambassador. <laughs> always uh always step with your left foot first though that's my one rule
2: mm, mm. share the title to people you know you, you gotta say it to my face now go ahead say it out loud
1: goofies stay home el salvador doesn't want you
2: oh my god hey the first headline that we're gonna go into is just gonna prove you wrong immediately okay if you say so El Salvador's $170 million bet on surfing. I don't think you went this hard on the event, Mikey, and neither did they. But El Salvador is in an interesting place as a nation right now. Um, they, in 2019, elected a gentleman named Naib Bukele, who is now 40, so he's younger, in uh, the realm of presidents. He's made Bitcoin a legal tender, and he has put $170 million into a surf tourism campaign that is a lot of money especially for a tiny little nation down there huge
1: absolutely massive um, and his logic behind it he's not a surfer by the way um, but he sees a lot of value in it I guess looking in places like Indonesia and Hawaii and whatnot but he's trying to become like he's trying to have El Salvador really become like the next true like surf destination and his logic is and I quote, For tourists to be interested, the conversation in El Salvador needs to be about surfing and not death. And I love that those are the two options. It's either death or surfing, and that's. I think a lot of us feel that way.
2: It's death or surfing. It really is. I agree. I couldn't agree more. And it's funny because you called out he's not a surfer. I feel like it would have been so much worse if he was. Like this story would be weird to me. I'd be like, oh, I'd have a weird feeling in my gut about a surfer thinking that this is going to work, but the fact that he isn't, but is still identifying it as a thing, where like, hey, we can get a lot of people here to come surf these world class waves. Uh, we can pay the WSL two point five million dollars to hold a CT there, and uh, let's go big. Let's see if we can change it. I mean, they had they had some rough decades. You know, they had there were the MS thirteen gang came from. They had a brutal, brutal civil war. And the fact that they're now in a place where they're identifying surfing as a thing that they want the nation to be associated with and they want to really drive tourism for them, like, it makes sense. It seems to be working. And, I mean, if you grew up reading surf magazines and just thought that that's what that world was and you need any further proof that that world has changed so fucking immensely, here you have it, folks. It's on a platter for you.
1: Yeah, and speaking of immense, I think one of the most shocking revelations I had from reading this story was actually I didn't read it, I, I saw it and it was the breadth of Bukele's shaka. I mean that thing had some real girth to it. I don't know if you saw the, the distance between his thumb and his pinky had to be a good eight inches.
2: Hey man, if you're coming in office at forty with these big ideas, you're gonna you're gonna have that energy. And you love to see it. You love to see it embodied on the stage there. Uh, but yeah, this is a huge bet. I mean, I know that with all the brands under that board riders umbrella, so you had Quick, Roxy, Billabong, DC, Ruka, all these brands like this, I know on average they spent like between 1% and 3% of their annual sales on marketing. And for some of the bigger brands, that translated to be like 10, 20 mil. So far, this has been over the course of three years, and we're talking 170. And I mean, apples and oranges, when you're talking about an Instagram ad versus building a boardwalk for people like shit, like that's part of the campaign. It's not just like, you know, creating content and trying to get people in that way. But it's huge. I mean, it's just, it's immense. Like it's Shaka, no matter how you look at it. Um, just like the Shaka, if you're looking from the pinky side, the thumb side, any angle, like he's making sure that it's you you walk away impressed.
1: Yeah. And I mean, talking about those brands as well, we had a piece earlier this year about what it costs to sponsor a CT event nowadays versus back in sort of the heyday in the late aughts when brands were paying $3 million a pop. Nowadays it's closer to that 1 million range and even below, but El Salvador came in and they dropped 2.5 on this thing. So yeah, it's, it's pretty wild.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which makes sense. It's like, Hey, have you spent, um, you know, your whole business has been about staining pieces of fabric and getting people to buy them. Or are you a struggling uh, developing country that has just come out of a really tough few decades? Like, of course uh, they're gonna overpay, right? Is that wrong? Can they? Is that ethical to like charge El Salvador two point five mil and like a surf brand one? Like, what the fuck?
1: I think the play here. I think El Salvador actually got the last laugh because presumably they paid the WSL in Bitcoin Ooh. in either late two thousand twenty one or early two thousand twenty two when it was actually worth something, and now it's not. So the WSL basically only made half of what they actually were owed. Whoopsie.
2: You know what? The only, the other thing that I, there's something I severely dislike about this. Um, I'll actually go so far as to use the H word. Yes, that. Hey, I went there, I went there like 10 years ago and I could still see out of my right eye. Had a great time. A great time when you got the full optics in the right eye. Um, but the other thing I hate is that, I mean, Saudi Arabia, why not us? You know, why are you doing the golf thing? Golf is outdated. Live surf, good ring. Think about brand alignment. I mean, we've literally got a guy named Medina. Like, what are they doing with golf? Why? I just feel like we got radically overlooked and it's just upsetting. Radically overlooked. That is a clever one liner. <laughs> it is.
1: Um, it's, you know, there's actually an interesting comment on that on this story from swamp dad who said nothing shouts let's move on from criminal activity like making bitcoin the favorite currency of criminals worldwide the national currency this feels more like a puppet of local organized crime sports washing his country basically saudi arabia's new golf league just cheaper (laughs) so i i guess we're already having it over here it's just el salvador not saudi arabia
2: that new golf league does sound expensive but for real like what if what just let's just play the game of what if for a moment like if saudi arabia thought maybe surfing like the way i think about it is when i was a half fc grade pro surfer you gave me two contracts one was with fox racing company the other with the, it was with the saudi arabian government i know <laughs> what one i'm signing like and i'm sorry it's not going to be the dirt bike one. Oh man yeah
1: i guess they just have to build a few wave pools huh or maybe just use that one from uh electric blue heaven that's still
2: going isn't it I'd look good on your Dons yeah,
1: all right, well, there you go. Saudi Arabia is the new El Salvador, and we'll see you in a couple days.
2: John John Florence has injured his knee again. You have to read that. it' just you have to be sullen like you get it's a somber headline at this point, what can you do? You just you kind of just sad and you shrug it and you go, ah, oh, it happened again. It's an MCL. Happened at GLAN. He's out for El Salvador, most likely out for Brazil. And the thing that like I want to talk about immediately is that when we talk about news like this, you sometimes see comments, whether it's on our site or social media, being like people being like, "Well, I'm not watching the WSL anymore. I just want to call bullshit on that immediately." That's like the person who goes on a bender and then goes, "I'm not drinking for a month," and then you see him on Friday, not Thursday. They're back with a beer. You're still watching the WSL, but it is such a bummer when we lose John John and it's happened again, this time due to his MCL. Literally I mean, I I've I know I've said
1: this stat before, but this is now four times four seasons in a row, basically. Every season since twenty eighteen. Obviously we missed the one in twenty twenty, but still four seasons in a row, John John has fallen off the tour in the middle of the season, and again he's in a position where he could easily win a world title this year. Um, and I know he said, obviously he's out of El Sal, most likely out of Brazil. I've torn my mCL twice uh, in both occasions, it was roughly two months to like heal to a point where you can surf, and that's surfing at like sixty percent. So we just look at the calendar. John got hurt close to June one. Um, the j Bay event happens end of July, so to me, that's pretty tenuous. um, so I'm really looking at like Chopu's the last event that John could really get into and Surf somewhat confidently?
2: You're you're not you're not considering an important detail. What's that? There is one thing that helps John John heal more quickly from injuries than anything else, and that is getting Kelly Slater out of the Olympics. (laughs) Okay? That's
1: very true. I didn't consider that.
2: So you're talking you're talking J Bay, you're talking Tahiti. There's one thing and there's a chance this year he's coming back it's that's what brings him back that's what he it's like a stem cell for him he just he sees kelly just almost getting into the olympics and then he gets in somehow he's back
1: yes well buck is of course joking because you can't qualify for the olympics this year um so yeah i'm like if say john can't come back until chopu right at that point he could mathematically be out of the top five race At which point it's like, do you even surf Chopu with, you know, a 70 or 80% knee? Probably not. So we really could not see John compete again this year. Again.
2: Well, that I was talking about for 2023. It's going to happen again next year. So I'm doing, I'm thinking ahead. okay. So this one, yeah, he's already, it's already trouble. I mean, what is this? Do we just give the title to Fleet by now? Or what are we doing?
1: No, there's a lot of heats to be surfed, Buckley
2: can we I would like it if we could
1: yeah I mean I wouldn't hate it either but I think there's a lot to happen still in this season I think that the top five is going to shake up a lot still we're going to see some really interesting and new faces in there and yeah they're going to have to face Felipe at the end of it and good luck beating him but if I'm Jack Robinson I'd be feeling pretty good at this point
2: okay yeah well if you had to say one name right now Thursday June 9th long way from September who you got Let's go men first and women. Oh,
1: God, it's so boring, but I have Felipe Toledo and Carissa Moore.
2: Okay. Ah, well, okay. Boring, but hey, if you're right, then just come back on September and it just we'll have a parade for you. Yeah. You got anyone different? Well, Felipe definitely... Oof, the women's side's trickier. Yeah, probably Felipe and Carissa. Plus, I mean, I just when you <laughs> send me your betting picks. I just use them, so, I mean, it's been working um i get too tempted to just say <laughs> something stupid that like could happen but probably won't but i get all into it so yeah i'd go with that another thing just we're talking to el salvador people coming back carolyn marks back in the mix and, and you're saying she's not allowed there because she's goofy
1: <sighs> sorry caroline you should have gone to g-land
2: yeah damn she would have been good there too
1: Yeah, we've actually got an interview with Caroline on the site talking about, you know, kind of what she's been up to and her return and her expectations and whatnot. So you can read a bit more about that on the site. And then also coming back, we have Iago again, who's going to be replacing Seth, who's also out with a knee injury. Carlos Munoz is making his return after blowing out his shoulder. He's going to be replacing John. Say that with
2: more excitement. You're you ooh, there it is. John in your head, fully.
1: Yeah, I am excited to see Carlos back. I actually he's he's the major underdog in round one and I, I threw down on him to hopefully win some money. He's gotta take out Kelly and Jack, but you know, you gotta ride your favorites. You do. Um we also have a men's trialist who will be getting into this event. Presumably it'll be Brian Perez. I hope it is. Um, and then on the women's side, we have Tia Blanco using one of her ultimate surfer wild cards. And here's the interesting one that hasn't been talked about anywhere. Sally Fitzgibbons is getting into this event on the back of Tyler Wright pulling out. We know Tyler had COVID in G-land, but, I mean, time-wise, it seems like she should probably be able to be over that by now. I don't know. We just It's just another one of those weird, mysterious right family things that seems to be going on again
2: wow yeah that's wild i remember when it the news broke at g land they even had a line in the in their comments on it that said like technically she should she could be back by the end of the waiting period so yeah i mean she interesting one there we're asking around we're trying to dig up the information respectfully of course but um wow intense sally she's back
1: yeah she never actually fell off this is all a ploy
2: i know right owen writes like hey what what about me what, nobody's gonna do it for me
1: <laughs> all right so yeah john out everybody else in el salvador coming soon and you can see my picks on the site i think it'll be dropping around the time that this podcast goes live um but yeah we'll have full overview of el salvador predictions bets etc get them all there BetOnlineAG ag supporter of the podcast
2: the italian surf team's new coach is adriano de souza adriano de souza right i mean it almost sounds like one of those headlines like when we're talking about the biggest wave thing and we said it was leon glatzer and marlon lipke when it's really sebastian studner uh this is not that this is fully serious uh adriano de souza is now he's not the head coach he should be i think He's an assistant coach for the Italian surf team. This is interesting because we haven't really seen a move of this level yet. So to surf for another country, you have to actually have a passport. You can't just, there are creative ways to get a passport, but you know, you can't get too creative with it. Like it's, uh, it's, you have to have some connection to the country to get a passport, especially if you're only gonna do it just to surf for an Olympic surf team. With coaching, nothing like that applies. You know, these federations can just have a budget and they can spend it how they want. And so, coaching, anything can happen. And this is the first time we've seen something high profile like this where a nation that doesn't have too deep a surf history or too much going on in the modern surf world other than Leo, and not Jesse Mendez. Uh, first time we've seen a big coaching play like this and it's pretty wild. Like, I wonder if we'll see more of this. Well,
1: that's not necessarily true. We saw Peter Townsend go to China.
2: I know, but that was pre-Olympics.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Pre-Olympics, yeah. And to be fair, I think this is a great call by the Italians. I don't know why the Brazilians didn't hire him, but, like, when you're looking for a good surf coach, it's always the guys who were not the most talented surfers. Like, you want them to have had that CT experience they have a world title, even better. But you don't want them to be a Medina, a Slater, well maybe maybe a Slater. No, Slater would just confuse people too much. But like with Adriano, you know, he had to work his ass off to get to where he got. Like, you know, arguably he never sh- had the talent or ability to win a world title in the first place, but he made it happen. And those are the people who are the best coaches. You think of Glenn Hall, you think
2: of Jake Patterson even. He he's honest about that. He's like, hey, I wasn't the best surfer, I just knew how to win I was smart about it exactly so I think I mean this is a pretty
1: obvious um career path transition for Adriano but yeah going to the
2: Italian team is an interesting twist it is it is and I just I'm a little bit concerned about what's going to happen with the claims because Adriano was never really afraid to throw one out there Italians they're very expressive I mean it's this is setting up to be a really intensely heavy claiming team, especially like, you know, the ISA World Games in Hinden. Cause sometimes if you claim a you know eight foot backdoor tube, sure. But claims are at their worst when it's like a two foot wave that you just grind out the three turns that you need to get a six point one seven on and then you just throw your hands in the air and my God, that is gonna be a force to that is going to be a sight to see. In Highland Beach.
1: There are going to be some some hand gestures thrown around for sure. I Actually, you know what I'd love is if a, a surfer didn't get the score that they wanted or they didn't get the priority call in their favor. They just throw out one of the Italian, one of these to the judges, you know, where you have your, your kind of fingers all come together and they're pointing upward and you're just kind of shaking your hand like this. Yeah, I want to see one of those, like a real Italian... Who the fuck do you think you're messing with?
2: Well, we got that, and then, like, how hard would it be to bully an ISA judge? Like, how hard would it be to get just a couple mafia guys down on the beach and just just the presence, you know, just the implied. They're just kind of hanging around, looking at, up at the judges, you know, maybe flash a little something in the belt. Like,
1: come on. like We're also talking, you know, we're talking about Huntington Beach, so the judges could end up with a coyote head in their bed. Easy,
2: easy. Or just incite a little riot, you know? We've had that. A few times, so like a little bit, a little little something. Watch now, DNA, the Cola Pinto Brothers film. This, I mean this headline, pause this thing, go watch it now. It's incredible. We meandered into this topic before on this podcast, but it's here now, it's live. You're about to hear an interview with me and Crosby. But the film is out and it is good. I think it's the best surf film I've seen this
1: year. Maybe my memory is fuzzy, but I can't remember a better, like, just true, proper surf film this year. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I mean, it has the, as the title implies, it goes into the sibling relationship and you get to hear from a few different people that kind of grew up with siblings. My favorite mix in there is just Christian and Nathan Fletcher seeing them together. The back of the pickup, talking about their relationship, was just incredible. Incredible element to add to it. But it focuses on that, which is cool. But the surfing in there is just like, it's absurd. I just, when I talked to Crosby, I realized he just, I was surprised by how, like, right away we bonded over liking the movie campaign and the Bruce movie. And I mean, he was too when that shit came out. And so I was just kind of surprised. Like, I definitely didn't like the surf movies that came out when I was two, but you could really tell in his surfing. Like, just, it's so refreshing to see somebody that age, uh, Crosby's 20, Griffin's 23, drawing really nice lines and just power surfing. Like, I felt like that could have been threatened for a bit. Airs are so flashy. They look so fun. They get high scores. But these two are impressive in, I think, every kind of way in surfing. Tubes airs but their carves especially are just holy shit It's some massive combos
1: yeah like i said like i you know there's so much content on the internet and there's even so much content of the colapinto brothers in the internet like they have a youtube channel that they put out regular clips from them traveling and surfing together and whatnot that i just went into it thinking like oh it's just going to be you know something of that nature on the surfing side and what i got was like a Major like a twofold increase or improvement on what I was expecting to see. Like even it, you said it before, like the stuff it lowers. You're like lowers is the most boring wave in the world to watch, and the surfing that especially I think Griffin was doing out there was like
2: holy shit,
1: dude! Like that looked like a, a different wave. I don't know if they filmed it from a different angle or he was. I don't know what was going on, but it, it's wild.
2: Especially I feel like it was like maybe two summers ago where he just dropped clips on Instagram just like single waves from lowers that like would stop everybody and you. You rarely talk about a clip you see on Instagram. These you did. It was like that one. There's the roundhouse that he came out of and just did an air. But basically, he seems to do things at that wave that nobody else can, and it just looks so good too. He's so stylish.
1: Yeah, talking about Felipe at the end of the year, he could actually push a few ooh, buttons.
2: Ooh, he could. He could. But the film is incredible. Go watch it. Stay tuned here. You're gonna hear from Crosby, which is great because you know he's younger and griffin's already been in the limelight a bit more he already won his first ct event in portugal this year so great to catch up with lacrosse you're about to hear that but you're also about to hear surfson oh
3: man this is a good one i'm excited oh boy hey boys uh just calling in with my surfson really dig the segment opportunity to confess except for all the guys who keep making the U noise at, at the end of every single call. But other than that, it's killer. Uh, first, I don't know if it's really a sin necessarily, um, but you guys brought up Base Coat a couple weeks ago. And I've loved using Base Coat for a super long time, except like 10 years ago I watched One Track Mind. And Dane Reynolds said that Base Coat was useless and, you know, it was a complete waste of time. And after hearing that, I was like, all right, I'm not going to use Base Coat anymore. So I stopped and then my wax started mushing all over the place, told my buddy and he was like, why'd you stop using it? And I was like, Dane Reynolds told me not to. And he's like, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. So then I started using Base Coat again for 10 years, going strong, loved it. And then Buck mentioned it a couple weeks ago, said it was stupid. And now, now I'm just feeling insecure about the whole, so just tell me what to do, man. uh, And and I will do it. Um, So the sin that I'd like to confess is being a leash hypocrite. So, at my local beach in San Diego, and kind of like that whole, it's like a certain area, uh, it's kind of just expected that you would know not to wear a leash. Um, If you do, you're not like yelled out of the water. I mean, only certain spots, I guess, but um, just kind of all over, it's just expected. Like, if you know how to surf pretty well, like, you just don't wear one. Um, So, a lot of the times, I'm not wearing a leash, and I'll be looking at people with a leash, and not like saying anything or being a dick, but just kind of being like, God, look at all these people with leashes on, like... You don't need a leash, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then on other days where I'm just feeling lazy or I'm rushed for time and don't want to, you know, have to lose my board. If it's like a really quick under an hour surf, then I'll put a leash on and then I'll be looking at people without leashes and just being, look, look at this guy. Like he thinks he's got something to prove. He thinks he's like better than everyone else. He's surfing out here just because he's not wearing a leash, but he still sucks. But, so anyway, it's like everything's based around me and my selfishness of whatever I'm feeling in the moment. And that seems like it just can't be right. It's gotta be a sin. So thank you guys. Thank you for the penance. I'll uh, hear from you soon, hopefully. You, oh God, fucking, I made the goddamn house. Okay, so
2: first thing I wanna call out is when I sent you this sin, your reply was, I seriously have so many thoughts on wax and leashes just jotted down 500 words over notes that was the most terrifying uh, slack message i've ever received in my life and the floor <laughs> is yours my friend okay so
1: yeah i've i've thought a lot about this and i see that i've i've connected some dots it's honestly i don't quite know where to start but i think i think the right place to start is with dane reynolds okay i have a theory some might call it a conspiracy theory that dane reynolds has made it his personal goal to confuse surfers everywhere Mm, and the reason behind this is as we learned in stab in the dark all-stars dane doesn't have the heart to back paddle or burn people
3: when you paddle out, it's like you start assessing the lineup and reading. You're like, okay, that guy looks like he surfs here a lot. Uh, that guy might not, but he's a good surfer. That guy just paddled around.
0: He doesn't know what's going on. He fell in the drop on that. I uh, fucked that guy. And then that guy paddles up to me. He's like, yo, damn, so stoked to see you in South Africa. And I'm like, fuck, okay, I can't, like, can't really stake that guy.
1: Like, he just doesn't have it in him. He sees Jordy do it. He sees Mick do it.
0: Think about in, like, medieval times, the guys that would arrive in a city and just take over and take everything they wanted that's like how they surf.
1: and even though he's obviously on the same level as those guys and people might even respect him more than those guys he's just like i can't do it i just it's not how i was brought up it's i, I just don't have it in
2: me i am so curious about how you're going to relate this to a leash <laughs> how we're going to get it to a leash here but i'm falling
1: uh <laughs> so what do you do you know if you you don't have it in your heart to back paddle people who you know who probably don't deserve the same level of waves as you, and, you know, you're filming for clips, and you need to get as many waves as possible, but you don't want to be a dickhead, et cetera, et cetera. You confuse people. So I think he gives out, like, over the course of years and years, he gives out confusing and conflicting ideas about how surfboards work, fin cants, wax. Like, so Bobby brings up that, you know, Dane was saying that you don't need base coat, blah, blah, blah. Base coat's stupid. Like, you don't need it. Dane is the same exact person who told us that we should be doing the X's and O's at one point. He was saying that he learned it from Joel Parkinson and that, he, you know, he thought that that was the, the peak wax job is to start with the X's, the crosses across your board, and then you, you rub it all in with your base coat. So how do you go from one extreme to the other? I, I think he's trying to get in people's heads so that when they stand up on a wave, Not only is their board potentially slippery, because they're not using correct wax strategies, but they're just confused. Then he starts talking about the angle of fins, like as if we needed another thing to think about when we're putting our board together. And we're just, we're taking off on these waves and we have so many things going on. We have so much head noise that the average surfer just can't compute all that at once. So they fall off and he picks off the ride at the end.
2: Okay, you know what? This is connecting, Uh, but the leash, we're still not at the leash. Okay, well-
1: the, the leash is sort of a separate thing, right? It even was for Bobby. I'm going to get to, okay, to okay. the leash. We'll focus okay, okay. So we're on wax. Yeah, we're on wax and we'll get to the leash. But also, in my latest joyride, I wrote about an incident in 2010. The Quicksilver Pro snapper, waves were firing. Dane has a round two heat against Blake Thornton. It's literally like perfect three foot behind the rock snapper, super clean, guttered out tubes, just spitting everywhere. And he goes out there and just absolutely mops the floor with Blake on some horrendous looking craft. I think it might have been like the original dumpster diver, just like flat, wide, doesn't look like a surfboard that should be ridden in any sort of substantial or cuppy wave. And he just absolutely ripped the shit out of it. And when he came in, his explanation was, oh, when the waves are that perfect, you can ride anything. That's the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. When the waves are perfect, if you try to ride some little skaty board, you're going to be slipping and sliding all over the place. I I've,
2: I've figured that out, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he wants the average consumer to fall into these traps so that he can ultimately get the waves that he's not able to paddle around people for. So that's my theory. We need to all be using base coat. Don't listen to Dane
2: Reynolds. Okay. All I got to say to that is... The other day I just it didn't happen on purpose, but I put green quickups over the a board that I had been waxing with purple quickups. You know what happened after that? You're supposed to go the other way. One stickier, one's harder. I went out and had one of the best surfs I had in a while. No leash too. And so while you're playing tic tac toe in the in the parking lot, I'm just having fun. So I it just I We'll agree to disagree on that one. Let's hear the leashes. Okay.
1: Well, sorry. Just one more thing on the wax thing is I will say that if you are using a lesser wax, which is anything other than foo wax, base coat is less important. You can get away with no base coat, with a sex, with a sticky, with a mrs palmer's well maybe not mrs palmer's
2: but oh, you can't get away with much there
1: <laughs> with foo, you absolutely need a base coat so if you plan on using that i would stick with it um anyway okay so on to leashes now i can so strongly empathize with what bobby's explaining here like in my experience leashes not only change the way you surf but it changes the whole way you see the world
2: the whole demeanor
1: everything yeah, it's like a drug almost. It's like when you're when I'm not wearing a leash, I'll surf like both conservatively and like savagely at the same time in the sense that like I'll kind of just be like cruising no leash like energy. linking yeah. maneuvers, yeah, putting putting them where they're supposed to go, but then every once in a while you get that one really good section and you're just like fuck this. I'm going to absolutely smash this thing and you attack that section with so much more passion and fervor than you ever would if you were wearing a leash and you absolutely refuse to fall off of your board it's like it's almost like like heat mindset sort of where you're just like everything you do you're committing 100 percent. if you do an error you're staying over your board and you're staying connected and even if you do fall you're like wrestling alligators under the water to make sure that you don't let go of that thing you're like breaking toes off trying to hold on to the traction pad um
2: you know this we agree on this we agree on
1: so And like I said, like, and I totally understand how it changes his perception of other people as well. So I think what he needs to do, my penance would be, he needs to surf without a leash for a week. And I want him to count the number of times that he has to swim in to get his board. And by the way, uh, the only way that you redeem yourself from losing your surfboard when you're not wearing a leash is if you body surf all the way up to it. If you have to, like, body surf a little and then, like, walk halfway and then do that dive thing and then stand back up and walk, like, that's not cool. You got to body surf all the way up to your board. But anyway, he's got to go surfer. We Count the amount of times that he has to swim into his board. And at the end of the week, I want you to grab a comp leash, nice thin one with, you know, it's light. And um, I want you to flagellate yourself with it. One whip for every swim. And you need to say, forgive me, Jack O'Neill, for I have sinned every five whips and I want you to post it to your Instagram. And I think that this will make you more humble when judging other people in the lineup, whether they choose to wear a leash or not to wear a leash. I think it's yeah, it's it's an act of humility. And who
2: knows, Bobby, maybe you've kind of had a sneaky BDSM kick all this time and this is finally gonna spark that for you and it could blossom into something really special. We don't know and we won't judge. Actually, I will judge because that is my job as a high priest. And so, listen folks, here's how I think it works if you don't hate other people in the lineup, you're going to end up just hating yourself. Okay? You got to... I mean, everybody watched that uh, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls documentary where he's playing all those psycho games in his head. We're None of us are Michael Jordan. I think we all do this. And you got to hate somebody. You got to have these fake rivalries. You got to pretend every single person on the beach is watching your every single move. Play these games in your head. We all do it. You know we all do it. And so I think this is a result of of him... Yeah, it's just a way to not hate yourself. you got to look, cast that hate outwards instead of inwards. And so, I really like it. I never really thought about that before. Uh, Sam McIntosh has a great point that he always brings up that the people who confess are the most self-aware servers in the world. I think this is a great example of that. But, on that note of hatred, I think it's healthy to a degree, but you could take it too far. I think it's been taken too far, and so mine's a little bit less kinky uh, what I'm gonna say is that it's always nice to compliment somebody in the water right and it's especially nice like when you mean it not just like a little you like like he said you that's not a good thing to do uh, you gotta really mean it when you're genuinely impressed by somebody instead of instead of hating them in that moment and making up why you're gonna go get the next wave better than them you gotta just go up to them and say hey like that was a really good turn which isn't that much, so I'm going to take it a little bit further and say you have to stop them and shake their hand. That's going to be a weird thing to do. It's going to, I've, if somebody shakes your hand in the water for a good wave, that's weird. You're both going to feel uncomfortable, but it's going to be fun, and so that's what I think you need to do, Bobby. I don't know if
1: I've ever seen somebody shake another person's hand after congratulating
2: them on a wave. That would, Yeah, wow. I would love to see that one day. Hey, and maybe that'll be a thing. Maybe we'll have more of that. Would, would the world would be a better place if everybody's just shaking hands after. I mean, let's do it. Bobby, you're going to be a pioneer here. Oh, you know what?
1: I guess Kelly and Rob Machado. I mean, that was more of a high five, but mm. same idea. Same
2: idea. Similar. But no, you got to shake, like stop. Because a shake, you have to, they were riding, you know, that high five. You gotta stop. Like you gotta. It's gonna be awkward. It's weird shaking. Like you shake your somebody's hand in the water. Sometimes meeting them, but like as you're kind of paddling out back together after a wave, that's gonna be a weird thing to kind of. They're gonna be like, "Is this guy reaching in to shake my hand?" <laughs> so good luck with that.
1: All right, thank you, Buckley. A pleasure as always. And as always, you can send your surf sins to Michael at stabmag.com buck at stabmag.com, and we will help you heal and or maybe help you hurt even more if you accept my penances. Um, So that's up to you though. We always give you two and you can choose your own. And we always, always, always recommend that you send them in once you complete your penances because we want to know that you've healed. That makes us feel better. And uh, in a best case scenario, we can air them again on the podcast because that's what this is all about. Healing. Now we're going to hop into an interview between Buck and Crosby Colapinto on their new film, DNA. It is made by Stab and Monster, and like I said before, it is just absolutely incredible. So this talk is also really fascinating, and
2: we hope you enjoy All right, Crosby Colapinto. Here we are. Let's talk about your movie. Right now it's a week from the launch date, and i want to know how you feel about it
0: um yeah yeah i'm excited because i don't know just having a a movie done with my brother is just something super exciting because it's like we griffin and i have been watching surf movies ever since we were super young and and being able to be in Kolohe's reckless isolation movie was like super special but now having pretty much like a kind of like a a profile piece on griffin and i is just like such a just a cool experience and I feel like it's cool because when we're older we can like go back and watch it and just having a movie out there is just I think is just so rad because it feels like movies have sort of like died out almost and just like it feels like more people are trying to make a push and and like so just having a movie I think it just is rad.
2: So you said that you grew up on them um, what were your favorites? Well,
0: I think I kind of was, like, almost late into watching surf movies. Like, I always – I watched them when I was super young, but I really started watching them when I was, like, probably, like, 13 and on because, like, I, I didn't really, like I, – I I'd watch them, but I wouldn't really, like, watch them before I'd go surf. And then and then Griffin really got me into watching a lot of, like, surf movies just to get psyched to go surf. So we started watching, like, a bunch of Andy and, and Parker. We were mostly watching, like – bunch of YouTube clips of, like, Parko and, like, Andy and Taj, but, but I think my favorite movie, we had, like, we got someone's old hard drive with, like, a bunch of old movies, and I think the Bruce movie was, like, probably one of my favorites. Really? The Bruce movie?
2: Yeah. Damn. Okay. I actually, I rediscovered it lately. It's probably, like, a year ago where, which is so funny, because now we live in an age where you can just find them on YouTube, like, you can find... It's all pirated, but, like, you could find a full version of the Bruce movie or you could find, like, a part from a certain movie. Some of it is legal. Most of it's pirate. But, uh, yeah, the Bruce movie was good. What was your favorite, like, like, part? Like, song? section all that
0: i think i think the hawaii part where it has a rock song it's kind of like the one of the famous rock songs is motorhead yeah motorhead it's sick it's just like gets you just like fired up to go surf in hawaii ah
2: well we are on the same page there i knew exactly what you're talking about that is just no class song fuck it's good
0: yeah and he's all formed out like pulling the barrels it's just sick
2: yeah i love how much of like just a cocky dickhead he is in that movie too like like they're asking him questions and he's just like that's a dumb question like it's just like he's just like oozing with that confidence and you see it in the way he serves it's like yeah he's just it's just so like good.
0: straight straight gangster he's so yeah good. but also also like uh campaign and campaign 2 are we're like are my go-to to watch especially like campaign 2 like every single guy in it is gnarly and every part's gnarly
2: that's so funny i mean we are there is we're over a decade apart in age and those were my go-tos but I mean they came out when I was like 13 and it was like the only thing you can see
0: yeah I I just love that the old school look to it you know like the the longer board the longer board shorts like they're all formed out everyone has like perfect form yeah I love that that that
2: part about it what about like favorite section out of those did somebody's part like really stick out to you
0: uh Andy's part is was probably the one that
2: I go to a lot in uh in campaign or campaign two
0: in campaign two, in okay. both. <laughs> yeah,
2: okay. I was gonna say we're almost same page there. I'm like campaign Andy part. I like campaign two Andy part as well, but uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's the it's just campaign one that does it for me there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn though, how good! Like, I always because I, I have a hard time understanding. Like it's like I said, like that came out when I was like 13, and you just like. It means so much to you then and you think it's like the biggest best thing ever. And so I always wondered how some of your age would like respond to it or if they if they just be like you your generation is old, washed up, doesn't matter, but it's uh it's cool to hear that you still value it.
0: Oh yeah, 100%. I I freaking I look up to that generation like so much just like with like surfing wise, like they're I th- I just saw everything look better like it, it I mean, I didn't grow up in it, but it just seemed like everyone who was coming out of that generation was, like, every guy had good form, you know? And, and, like, they were all riding bigger boards, so it's, like, that's probably how they have good form is because, like, if you're riding a bigger board, like, you kind of have to have, like, you have, I feel like they had to, like, figure out ways to, like, get speed with the wave instead of, like, hopping all over the place and, like, pumping down the line just to, to, just to do an air. But, like, just, like, the lines they would choose, I just, I thought it was just sick
2: wow that's funny i i had a conversation with jeremy flores like right after he retired and because he qualified at like 17 when guys like andy and aki were on tour and like really i think especially qualifying that young and being so young and being around that was obviously like an intense experience for him but he said something so similar about how like yeah people are doing crazy airs these days and that's fun to watch and it's like incredible but he made a point that like that side of surfing kind of died. Like nobody is doing what they used to be able to do, and like it's different. But we, we seem to have lost something there. And it was it was really special watching guys at their best doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I yeah I love watching like old clips. Like it's it's probably my favorite. But but for for like a modern day movie, I I thought like Modern Collective is probably one of my favorites too.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's another one burned in my head, but. As much as I like watching old movies, holy shit, DNA is gnarly. Like, I obviously knew how good you and your brother were. Actually, I guess I didn't. Like, I I knew... I didn't know that you guys... Like, that's next level, what's in that that, that clip. Like, it's... Were you guys just saving footage forever? Like, I obviously would see Instagram and the edits you guys put out on YouTube, but, like, the level of surfing there is, like literally stopped me dead in my tracks
3: oh
0: sick thank you um yeah uh we saved clips for probably probably like a year because it it started off as monster wanted stab to do like a an episode with griffin and i like when we went to australia for the contest during like covid times and they wanted to do like episodes on us and we go surf like these these uh different towns and we'd have like a local from the town like an old ex-pro or something would come down and like watch us surf and then and then we would just free surf and then whoever won that or like whoever surfed best in that session like won the session and then we did that and we had like we had like Bosco come down and like judge us and and like Tommy Witz and it 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 was cool but the waves are pretty shitty every time we surfed and, and we didn't really get shit for clips. And then and then we're like, okay, that like I don't know if we could do anything with these clips. Like it was so bad. It was like Griffin and I surfing like the worst waves, like just completely bogging. And then and we only we only like we were planning to go over there and go like try and get good waves, but we never did. But and then it ended up turning into this movie because I went over to Indo, I went over to Indo and I got, I I got clips there and I was, I was like gonna just make my own little part, just like a three minute edit or something. And then, and then while uh, I was in Indo, Griffin was home and got all the lower's clips. So then we were talking to Stab and we were like, what if we just make like a short film or something and and then we go to try and do one more trip, which was Mexico and then And then we would have like a Hawaii part. So that took about like, probably about like six
2: months right there. Was it, is it like hard for you though? Like, especially with your generation, there's so much emphasis on things like social media and a lot of people talk about like instant gratification. Was it hard for you to like come in from a session knowing you got a crazy clip and not want to like share it immediately?
0: Yeah, I mean, when I was in Indo, (laughs) I, I got, like, some clips, and I, I wanted to, like, post a couple, but I, I got my phone stolen twice. Like, I got a, my phone stolen in Bali, and then while I was there, I got a new one, and then I went over to, like, Yo-Yos, and that's where we were, like, surfing most and got most of, like, our air clips, and I got my phone stolen there. So I was <clears throat> I was phoneless for, like, a month over there, but, um, yeah, <laughs> but it was kind of nice. It was refreshing, but, yeah, it, it was heavy.
2: Did you still have like a computer, or were you just like no tech guy?
0: Um, I had I had my computer, and I was with like I was with like Jet and Wyatt McHale, so I was like using their phone to like talk to people. But but yeah, I, the back to like the social media things. It, I think it's it's weird because it seems like now you put out like just one clip, and it does better than putting out like an edit, you know. So it's just, it's weird how it works now. And I feel like everyone's like intention spans are so short that they can't watch something over like 10 minutes now. And they just want to just like see something for 15 seconds and like tap it twice and give it a like and a comment.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, but, but like that's like, I would rather, I would rather put like a clip out and just have it there and just, it'll, I feel like it will just like, it's kind of like timeless almost like it will be there forever. But like at Instagram, it's just like, you see it once and it's done.
2: Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I think like, honestly, you could get a hundred thousand people watching a clip of a wave or whatever it is, but even if the views are like, you know, 10, 20% of that on a full length clip, you're, I think the people that are watching that and especially people that are going to go back and rewatch it are really, it says a lot about how much they value your surfing. I mean, it's people talk about attention and people spending attention and people trying to win your attention. It's like for somebody to give you that much attention, like you said, in in a era where it's like so hard to get any um, for somebody to sit down and give you 10, 20 minutes is like a massive thing. And I think it just speaks to like the quality of, of what you put out. It's just a whole different thing. I feel like it's just, you can't compare you know, an IG clip to a a full length movie. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's kind of sounded like a low moment. I wanted to ask you like a high moment. What was a low moment being like the phone theft thing? But like in those travels to Indo Mexico, what was like a favorite memory from the trip?
0: Well, I had a crazy high to low moment, which was in, like which includes a phone being stolen, but the session over our, like, we were surfing. So the session started off. We, like, went out, and we we parked the car at Yo-Yo's, which is kind of, like, it. there's no one really around, so we weren't really expecting the people, some like, some Indo dudes to, like, smash the windows. So we left our, our phone in the car, but we, we paddled out, and it was, like, that session was the best session we had, and I landed, like, probably two of my best airs in my life on that session, which are in the movie. One of them's like the big full row, and the the other one was like a stale fish. So I was like, after I landed those, I was like, oh, this is like the best session ever of my life. <laughs> and then and then I came in, and like the car was smashed, and the our windows were like just like completely gone, and then my phone was stolen. So that was like I was it was like the highest of highs, like best session ever to coming in and like our car just smash.
2: Ah. Wow. It's it's better when it goes the other way, a low to a high I think.
0: Yeah. Oh also I have another one from that trip where we pulled up to Super Sucks, which is like that crazy long left. And and Crane had had, uh clips in his edit from that wave too. But when we pulled up to Super Sucks there was like this crazy bushfire. Like we like drove down. You have to like drive through this little like this little path with like all these bushes around you and once we got down there. There was, like, this crazy bushfire, and, like, a car was, like, getting burned. Like, it was... Like, we were looking at this car, and, like, the whole side of the car was getting burned by the bushfire, and we were thinking, like, it was going to blow up, and we couldn't drive out because the bushfire, like, was in the path. Oh, my God. Where you drive in. So we were, like, parked there, and we were watching, like, perfect Super Sucks, just waves like, best waves I've ever seen in my life, and we're just like, holy shit, like, what... And we're, like, trying to, like, grab water from the ocean and, like, throw it onto the fire to, like, put it out, and all these Indo dudes are, like, throwing out the fire with the water, and, and we're watching, like, perfect waves, and we're just, like, ah, just, like, in two minds, like, freaking out, um, and then, and then luckily, like, it, it died, and then we paddled out, and we had, like, a crazy session at Super Sucks, and we saw, like, some of the best waves I've ever seen in my
2: life. Wow, okay, yeah, those are some good backstories. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um... Do you you talked about two airs from Yo Yos, but do you have a favorite clip of yourself in the movie? Like a clip you're most proud of? Um
0: Yeah, I I think I think um there's a left from or away from super sucks that was like it was a it was probably one of the longest barrels of my life because it just the wave the wave's incredible. It just you get barreled at one section, then you come out and you pull into another one and you're like, okay, like I just got two long barrels like that's crazy and then and then another one comes and then another one there's like four different sections but but I had a wave because we when we showed up our first day at Super Sucks we got like two days and our first day we thought we were getting like super deep and then we watched the clips and we were kind of all like pocket riding we're like damn like what the hell were we doing and then the second day we were like okay we like really gotta like sit on it if we want to get deep so and I got like a pretty good wave, and I just tried to like, kind of like sit on it and just like, <laughs> just ride the like, just stall like kind of the whole time and just see as to get as like deep as I can. And then, and then I saw the clip and <clears throat> I was like, deeper than all the waves that I got the day before. And that that wave, just learning how to like, just like, kind of put my whole body into the into the wave it was just, like, uh, it was just really, like, satisfying because, like, that's, like, I just, I feel like there is where I
2: really learned how to, like, stall with my whole body. Backside. Do you think that, like, translates now? I mean, there's the Hawaii section of the movie. Do you feel like that translates to bigger waves?
0: I think I think, yeah, for sure, because just being able to, like, read a barrel was, like, huge for me because I, probably, like, three years ago, I didn't even really know how to, like, Like, it just didn't make sense, backside barrel riding to me, like, making steep drops. Like, it didn't, like, it didn't, like, function in my head, you know? And and then going over there and just pretty much only going left and getting backside barrels, like, and then, like, learning how to do it and make steep drops. Like, I think that helped out a lot going over
2: to Hawaii. What was, like, I know you talked about, like, the stalling and putting your butt into it. But what was, like, is there any other little like piece of advice like if somebody out there is feeling like you did three years ago I was like fuck I just don't understand backside tubes what would you tell them
0: yeah I'd I'd say well my my biggest trouble backside was the drop so I'd say when you drop in backside like spot your landing spot your landing and then once you like hit your landing kind of like if you like air dropping or if you're like making a super steep drop like once you like pick your line and you look get down to the bottom of the wave where your line is, then you can like look up and then make your new line from up there. Like you just have to like it's just like one foot in front of the other. You just have to like make your just like line just for dropping in.
2: Mm, cool.
0: I mean that's a that's what that's what Griffin told me, and that's that's like the main thing that helped me out the most, probably.
2: Yeah. Well there's part of the movie where you it's you guys are young and Griffin's like just at a high level already and people say that you just didn't really have it yet and you know he talks about about like trying to tell you to do things and do this do this to make you a better surfer and now to me you're like both you and your brother are just so well-rounded I mean there's people that are really good at airs good at tubes good at turns you guys just seem to have it all to me and so I'm so curious like when you're at that level what do you think is like the biggest weakness in your surfing now
0: I think the biggest weakness for me is is backside errors. I can't, I can't figure them out. <laughs> I I mean like this winter. I mean in the in the clip you see like, in our Hawaii section, Griffin has probably like, eight backside airs, and I I couldn't I couldn't do one, <laughs> but but I was like like this winter I was he he landed he was landing all those in front of my face and I was kind of getting, a little bit rattled but. It was kind of firing me up to, like, go try and land one. So I spent, like, so much time at Rocky Lefts, and I just couldn't really, like, get it down. But but I guess I just I just got to keep on
2: keep on trying. Wow. Well, I mean, to the name of the film, it's clearly in your DNA, especially that one Griffin got a 10 on this year. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I just yeah. got to study or, And is. I guess just like that Indo trip just go somewhere where it's going to let you just punt nonstop into the lefts.
0: Yeah, fully.
2: Portugal would actually be good for you. Um we get a lot of north wind which is into the lefts here. You can uh you can do a lot of airs. Come on over. Speaking of your brother, I wanna talk about that relationship a little bit more. My first question is could you beat him in an e bike race from your house to lowers?
0: Well it depends who has a faster bike.
2: <laughs> it's just Just with like the bikes that you're normally on. Like, you know, if this was if this was I know he's in G Line right now, but like If this, if he was home and you're both gonna get on your normal bikes, like who would win?
0: Um, I think I would win. I just like Murph bike. They just like updated me with like a newer bike because Griffin's gone right now. So I got the dibs on the first bike, the first new bike. So I think I'd beat him.
2: Wow. Okay. Well, uh, he's probably going straight to El Salvador, I guess. But next time he's home, uh, you could have a race. Yeah. Yeah. What about? in terms of ct venues where do you think you'd have the best chance at beating him in a heat
0: i mean i'd like i'd like to beat him somewhere in barrels like i think i think <laughs> yeah if we were to have a heat somewhere i think somewhere like pipe piper tropes would be pretty sick because i know we would just both put <clears throat> both push each other to the edge like it would be it'd probably be kind of scary. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, watch the Hawaii part if you need that proven.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be fun though. If if we were in a heat together in like pretty heavy barrels cuz yeah, I feel like we're both like almost a little bit similar maybe in bigger waves, so so it'd be fun.
2: Yeah. What about where do you think is the place where he's most likely to beat you?
0: Um, I would say somewhere probably like Portugal or, or, or France, somewhere kind of more beach
2: breaks. I mean, everybody had a hard time with him in Portugal this year, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, Rick, he's, I think he's still better than me. So I think he probably beat me a lot of places. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, Hey, speaking of that Portugal win, I saw on your Instagram at that point, you said that you had a feeling this win was coming. Was that specific to the Portugal comp, or did you just feel like he was going to win a comp this year in general?
0: I just had a I just had a feeling he was going to like win a comp this year because he's put like just being around him, pretty much twenty four seven around the house. I see how much time he puts into all the contests, or like not just into the contests, but just like everything has to do with like bettering bettering himself from his mind to his physical physical stuff, like. <clears throat> just all that is like going into contests and and how he can be the best surfer and best human he can be so like just being able to watch him just like right here every day in, in the house just seeing what he does i just i don't know he just works really hard and i just i just had a feeling you know like it has to come sooner or later if you're working that hard
2: i would imagine the time zone was pretty weird for you to watch that were you able to watch it live or yeah, I was, I was
0: in Dominican Republic, so I had to, it was like middle of the night, so I, I had to wake up.
2: Okay, okay, so you woke up and watched it, what was that like, were you, did you have like a crew with you that was into it, or were you just like a lonely man in a Dominican hotel?
0: It was actually, I, I actually kind of, I kind of feel guilty for it, but like I, I, we kind of, it was like the last day of the contest, so we like went out that night, and then, and then I, I woke up like super early It was, like, four or something, kind of, like, naturally. And I was, like, well, like, something's off. And then I was, like, oh, shit, the comp. And then I pulled it up, and it was over. And I was, like, and then it said, like, when you pull up the the app, it said, like, congratulations, Griffin Colapinto. And I was just, like, holy shit. No way. Like, just started screaming. Yeah, just at, like, four. and And then I went and, like, watched the replays right away. But I was, like, it was, like, four. It was, like, four or five, and I was just, like, so just, like, I had like adrenaline almost just from like even seeing that. I was like, "Holy fuck!" Like Griffin just won
2: a CT. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. I can imagine, especially that like middle of the night delirious kind of feeling.
0: Yeah, I I should have, I should have been up, I should have been up watching it. <laughs> I like I just forgot.
2: Yeah, yeah. Especially that was such a weird. It's they got unlucky with like there's such good waves right before and after that event and it was like a weird you know i hate when it's like start and stop and start and stop like that one but uh yeah fuck your brother was surfing really good obviously
0: yeah that was sick
2: you talked about just being able to watch him and see how much work he puts in what are some of the biggest things that you've learned that have kind of worked for you like something you picked up from him that you've applied to yourself and found it to be beneficial
0: um i think the biggest thing is just was probably putting time in in the water, because when I was younger, like <clears throat> I was never really, never really into surfing that much. Like I never really had, like I had the fire, but I didn't know like what it was like to really like put in the work, you know. So I remember losing a contest, and like I remember after the after the contest, it was like nationals or something, and I was so bummed. And Griffin came up to me and he's like, "You can't really be bummed because you don't you don't surf that much and you don't put in the time." And then he's like, "If you really want to like make it or get good at surfing, you have to like surf a lot." And then ever since then, like, I remember that whole summer and like the whole year after, I, was, I made sure that I surfed like four hours every day. And then I think I think that was the biggest thing for me because that that's what like really kind of like started the fire for me like really got me like going
2: yeah what's your average like surf say lowers is good what's your average kind of surf time or do you just go like all day and you're you're kind of in and out of the water all day how do you kind of play that yeah
0: if it's if it's firing we usually try to just like time the tides because low tide kind of like shittier so we try to just go down through high tide and if it's firing we'll just surf until it gets shitty
1: yeah
2: Okay,
0: and then and then once it gets shitty, come back and eat, and then go back down. Hmm.
2: Um. Interesting. And I asked you before about what you think some of your biggest weaknesses in surfing are. What would you say are your biggest strengths? I think
0: maybe I would think my my rail game because I think that was kind of like my biggest biggest strength ever since I was younger because I've always <clears throat> I've always like. Just started out surfing. I would, never could do airs, and I was always kind of a little bit like thicker, so I was kind of like slower. And I needed waves to like kind of like push me because if they're if they're gutless waves, I was just like sinking. So I think like being able to just learn how to like do carves and just stick to the rail. I think that was like my biggest thing when I was younger, and I think that kind of carried over because I I think like a good the feeling of a good carve is probably the best feeling in surfing almost like i mean they're all like if you do something good in airs or barrels or cars it's all really good but just like a feeling of just like a big powerful carve that you can just hold your rail throughout the whole wave it just i think that feeling is just incredible
2: you know what i have to i have to say that we ran an interview with john john florence not too long ago and two things you said reminded me of it one was just the time in the water thing um you know hawaii tides are like super minimal um and he said in that interview that he like can surf for seven hours straight sometimes, like almost by accident too. He'll just like not intend to do it, but he just like can't get out of the water type of thing. <laughs> um, and then another thing was he called out that to him like who we all know what he can do on a surfboard, which is pretty much anything. He said that he described it in a really similar way to you and that a carve is the best feeling like, especially on a bigger wave, which again is something we've seen him do, but you've got some of that in you too. So, um, really interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, you watch his cars and you just like, you go, holy shit, that must feel good.
2: I know. Especially when he's on like a 10 foot wave. You're just like, wow. that looks."
0: Yeah. Nice. Just from like the very, very top to the bottom. You're just like, what? <laughs>
2: yeah yeah oh the interview is like going into this like granular feeling of like accelerating through it and like the weightlessness of it he's just he got deep on the carbs yeah
0: he's he's guru carbs he's got the guru carve
2: yeah who else do you look up to like obviously your brother john any other surfers um like modern surfers we talked about like videos in the past before but who else do you look up to in uh, today's world, surfing. I look
0: up to a lot of guys. I mean, <clears throat> Kolohe. I love Kolohe's approach with just surfing all around waves and just being able to see him surf like every day is pretty special. And and Ian Crane, I, Ian Crane surfing's pretty crazy. He like that last clip he just put out was psycho. Like every he kind of has it all too. Like he 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 has. He has a crazy rail game too. Like he he does these grab rail cars. There's a part from Indo where he like starts at the top. It was almost like a John carve, and he's like just grabbing his rail. And just looks like he's just like he's got his warrior face on, just like,
2: uh,
0: um, and he's just pushing super hard. And then and then he has like crazy airs too. But <clears throat> also like Ethan Ewing, I love his surfing. His style's incredible, and and like Gabriel and Philippe. I and I I really like I really like Yago. Yago I think Yago's surfing sick. He has a good style and like I just, his approach on lasers. I think is really cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, I really like his backside airs too. I feel like he makes them look so stylish. Yeah,
0: yeah. He has sick style.
2: Is your goal for this year to qualify?
0: Um. Yeah. It's yeah. Definitely. But I I didn't make like the challengers. But I was able to get a wild card into the Australia events. So, I'm still <clears throat> still trying to milk a couple wild cards,
2: but if I could pull they have like a million every event, don't they like it's it's like half the field is filled out, and then they have w s l wild cards for like the other half it's pretty
0: yeah, yeah, I know, so hopefully I could get a couple of those and and get a result I, I i went over to Australia wanting to wanting to get a result, just like everybody else but but I didn't, but I learned a lot and just but yeah, I mean. I, if I qualify this year, then sick. But if I don't, then, like, it's all good because, I don't know, the more time the better almost. You see guys kind of, when they get on early, it's kind of like they peak when they're about, like, 23. Or, like, that's when they really start to figure it out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you need to rush there. You'll you'll get there. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, what's... What did you? You said you learned some stuff in Australia. What did you walk away from that feeling like you learned?
0: Um, <clears throat> just I learned just like that. Like everyone, the guy. Like I, I lost early, so I was I was watching a lot of heats and and I had a couple like a few buddies do really well, like Jet and Cade and Brady Sail. And, but so I was I was down there a lot, like watching all the heats. Um, but it's just it's not really like the best surfers who do well in those QSs. It's more like. The guys who are on the best waves because i i feel like even on the qs you don't really have like you got to surf good but you don't really have to do much to get a good score i feel like if you're just on a good wave and you're just doing a couple good turns like you're gonna be re- rewarded with like a six or a seven no matter what like and it's like there's 30 minutes and and all you really need is two waves and it's also being smart with priorities so that's like, I think that was the biggest thing I learned.
2: Is that something that, does that not come natural to you? Like, you know, how some surfers are like super patient and others are like the other end of the spectrum is just catching a million little waves, whatever comes in. Are you, do you see yourself on the either side of that spectrum?
0: Well, <clears throat> I feel like when I was younger, I kind of, I kind of was a little more patient and I, I, it kind of made more sense in my head. And then once quarantine hit and I went on all these like free surf trips and just tried to get clips I was just like so used to like riding waves and like getting in a rhythm of like just free surfing then when I got back after COVID I was kind of like super scrambled and and just started like riding a bunch of waves and like never really stuck to like my plan before I'd surf and before like a heat and I would go out and I would just end up riding a bunch of waves and like I've I mean I've done like probably 10 contests now, and I've, I've lost, like, second or third round in every contest, just, I think, from that, mostly, just being stupid, but, but, like, I, I love contests so much, like, just, just the feelings you get before and after, and even, even the feeling of, like, losing, it's, like, it's a, it's a feeling that you don't really feel with, like, anything else in surfing.
2: Yeah, yeah, I guess it's just, like, getting a have any like negative feeling it's just it's interesting because you that's available to like a human you know it's like crazy that you can like feel that type of thing to respond to something you know
0: yeah yeah fully no it's <clears throat> the the whole like contest surfing is just like it's a whole different playing field
2: yeah what is that feeling like to you like how would you describe the feeling of like losing heat um
0: I mean f- for me I try to I've I, I feel like I'm getting pretty good at losing over here now but <laughs> um it's I get, I would say, like, I'm definitely getting better at it. Like, the last few contests I've lost, I've just kind of, like, I, like, accept it, and then I just try to figure out what I was doing wrong or what's happening or why I'm losing and then just try to work on it and just re- kind of realize. But I realize, like, my brother helped me out with this too, but um, if you write down, like, all your mistakes and what how the heat went, like, once I write it down, it's kind of just like out of my head. Just try to like throw it on the paper and just leave it there and not really like try and think about it for like the rest of the week.
2: Mm. Mm. I like that. That's really cool. Do you do that with like um with things you want in the future as well? Do you are you into like writing stuff down that way?
0: Yeah, for like writing goals and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I definitely do that. Definitely try and write goals. I mean, most most of all this like mostly like all all this like writing stuff down and like visualizing stuff it's mostly came from Griffin cuz that's like what he's really big on so like i've learned that from him and he's he's kind of like been like write it down visualize do this do that you know like so most of that <clears throat> stuff is like from Griffin's experience and all the contests that that he have done so it's pretty cool that he's able to do that and then tell me and then I can kind of like put it into my own surfing and contests and stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like you said before, it's, you're at a good age to just be figuring it all out. Like the, you've got plenty of years ahead of you and, uh, especially when you're dropping clips, like the the ones in DNA. I mean, wow, it's, uh, it's awesome to be able to like figure out the competitive side of surf world while putting out edits like this. It's uh, really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, yeah, just the whole experience of of being, like, a professional surfer is, I think it's just, like, it's incredible, the life we're living.
2: Yeah. Well, I have to ask you, we were talking about some Challenger Series stuff. It was when the Challenger Series was in, like, France last year, there was that whole fuss around, like, Canoas in the event, and the whole, like, CT Surfers, and the wild card spot that whole thing. And I believe you got booted from a group thread for sending a shirtless photo. And I was so unclear about whether or not it was whipped cream or shaving cream on your nipples. Would you be able to clarify that?
0: Oh yeah, it was, it was whipped cream. <laughs> it was whipped cream. Yeah, to get all the ladies psyched, you know? The girls in the group chat, get them all psyched, they could lick, lick the whipped cream off.
2: <laughs> did you get? Did you actually get kicked out of the chat for that? Or yeah, did people yeah, just get mad at you. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I got
0: I got kicked out. I don't know who kicked me out, but I got booted. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fuck, that is incredible. Did you get back in it, or is that like not a thing that's happening at every event? Did-
0: no, it it was kind of just just for those events because it was just to sign that petition petition for like the double qualifier thing that they had going on. So, so it, was, it was just that. That, that whole deal was, was super funny because we were playing cards and we were playing cards and we were like, what should we do? And then I was with like Seabass and Nat Young and Cade we were like, we thought of that one. Like Loser had to send in a mirror selfie and <clears throat> put olive oil on their stomach and whipped cream on their nipples and like flexing in the mirror. And, and I lost and I had to do it. But it was honestly like, it was kind of funny. Oh, I thought, I
2: thought it was hilarious. I mean, that whole situation was, you know, the right thing happened in the end, and um, God, it was. I when I heard that and I saw the photo, I just, I was so happy. I thought it was the best thing I'd seen in a while. So thank you for that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> uh, I didn't yeah. even realize the olive oil touch too. That's that's a nice uh, that's a nice addition.
0: Yeah, the olive oil was legit. I got I got all greased up. <clears throat> it really made wow. the made the abs really pop
2: <laughs> wow yeah well nice work there and then a few more questions for you but i do want to talk about the hawaii section in the movie we touched on it a little bit before and you talked about backside tube riding before you guys get crazy crazy waves over there are you do you get scared in the water or are you just fully confident out there like well, there's a massive day at pipe back door are you just fully in the zone or are you dealing with fear in some way
0: uh it's no yeah <clears throat> I'm definitely fearing <laughs> like deep down but I feel like I feel like this last winter I've kind of like figure out figured out like my little my little n- niches and like my little like little uh secrets to like finding where the waves are and like figuring out where <clears throat> to be in the lineup to be like figure out where like most of the good waves go where no one's on them and like and like the locals aren't looking at them and I think just I think that was the biggest thing for me for getting waves this winter was was figuring out that and just and just like putting in my time like I mean I like I was I think I was I would try to be out there every single day there was like a good pipe day because like I think that's the biggest thing is just putting in your time and I don't know people say that the locals like psych- or like if you put in your time, you'll be good and, and I've kind of like heard that from when I was younger, so that's like what I try to do most is just put in, put putting my time in the water there.
2: I get that side of it, but what about I want to talk about that fear side a bit more like do you something swings into you and off the wall or like that stretch um you know the stretch <laughs> um are you like are you nervous before the session? Are you nervous in the water? Like how, what's your experience like out there? Like in terms of just like committing to the wave when it actually comes to you.
0: I'm shitting myself like 24 seven out there. But I think the biggest, the scariest part is the crowd. I think, because I know, I know like that i I could go on like a set, but like, like being in the spot for one is like the scariest part because I mean, not being from there, you're kind of always looking around to see if like a local's going to go on a wave. So I'm always kind of a little bit under and like, kind of like paddling, but like looking over my shoulder to see if someone's going. And then if someone's not going, if you're looking at the person who's paddling and they don't end up going, then you're like, you're all in on this wave. And then you look to your right. And then another like local's to your right going and you're like just about to stand up and you have to like pull back and like maybe get sucked over I think that's the scariest part or like burn someone and some local comes up and just slaps you like I think that that part to me is the scariest part
2: you found some this winter that or this past winter that uh nobody else seemed to be looking at nobody on the right nobody on the left gave it the full scope and you were there
0: yeah I was was, my head was my neck was sore
2: after (laughs) yeah i would imagine um all right last question what's what's the plan for this year i mean we talked about the challenger series a bit and you know maybe you'll get the call for Bolito. but other than that you know release more edits just keep focusing on contests what's uh any trips planned? what what do you got
0: i'm kind of just i'm kind of just kind of going with the flow right now just I mean just whatever pops up pops up if I get in these contests I'll I'll go do these contests and I'm I'll be excited to do those and then and then if I don't then I'll definitely try and just like go on some trips and stack clips and try and make another part and then and then Hawaii season comes around and just go spend the whole winter over there. That's kind of that's kind of the plan. Mm
2: go find some lefts, do some errors. What about, actually, that wasn't the last question. Wave pools. Do you feel like you've benefited from them in a way? Like if you, you talked about wanting to really figure out backside errors, is that something you think you could like achieve in a trip to Waco or you feel like it's different, different to apply it to the ocean?
0: I don't know. I, I went to Waco and I was, I was going left a lot and trying, trying backside airs a lot. And it didn't like, I didn't really like benefit out of it, but I feel like when I went, I almost wasn't, like, I wasn't, I felt like I was, like, I was trying to, like, figure them out, but I wasn't, like, I don't think I was trying hard enough, really, like, I wasn't, like, watching backside air clips to, like, figure it out, but, like, I feel like maybe now if I went, then I'd be able to figure it out, but I just think it's so different, like, wave pools, like, the sections in wave pools to so normal in the ocean, like, it's just, I think it's just off. I mean, you see, you see some of these kids, like, do the craziest airs in wave pools and then they go in the ocean and they don't do the same thing. Yeah. But I mean, they're. but I'm not saying like the kids are shitty, but they're, like they're gnarly, but, but you just see them in the ocean. And you're just like, Oh, like, they're way gnarlier in the wave pool.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think it's the same thing with like, when you see like a, a crazy, like never before done trick, like it's cool and it's fun to watch, but it's like, Things don't really seem to matter as much until you bring them to the ocean, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the ocean's just like a whole. It's like a way, way harder to do something because <clears throat> it's like the stars have to align for you to get a good section and then actually land it. Is like, I think that's the hardest thing, but that's some that's way more re- rewarding than like landing in there in a wave pool.
2: For sure, for sure. Because the ocean, you just have that element. Like you always have to read it. You know, you have to know that section's going to be there when you even paddle 20 feet north to go meet that wave, it's like you have to be, it's a different, way different ballgame, I guess. Although I've only been away a wave pool once, so I can't really speak to that side of it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway. it's,
0: it's a trip. Yeah.
2: Yeah. All right, cool. Well, that's all I got for you was, I really enjoyed the chat though. Okay.
0: Sick. Yeah. Yeah. Buckley. That's it for
1: this episode of the drop. We will be keeping our eyes peeled on El Salvador. As I mentioned in a previous pod with Stace, the forecast is looking a little funny, so hopefully they get some good conditions, and we'll be back with an episode of The Stab Cusp as soon as it does. In the meantime, uh, enjoy your surfing, enjoy your life, and go leashless. Why not?